0: So, hey, let Hi guys, welcome to the No Critics, No Success podcast. Uh, This is the first one I'm doing since COVID, and it's probably been about six weeks since the last one. (coughs) So apologies for the coughs and the pauses. Today we have a very special guest, a person that over the last three decades has influenced hundreds if not thousands of young boys, young people and men in and around South Wales and Wales in general, a Cardiff hero known throughout the city as Mr. Basketball, but for reasons that we're going to hopefully discuss today, his many high-level accomplishments have never been celebrated, both from a national perspective or uh, as a city hero. Um, definitely a person who's ch- achieved success his own way, breaking the mould, and definitely someone who has never listened to the critics. Just a quick list of some of his accomplishments, and I know we're going to go into a little bit more detail. Uh, this person uh, was drafted to the NBA. Uh, he helped to bring Wales' first and only full, fully professional men's team to Cardiff, uh, but has also uh, travelled across Wales delivering basketball with his own unique flair. He is now... Uh, After many years of competition between the two of us, he's now the head coach of Cardiff City men's national team and local league team, Uh, and he's involved in a few top-secret grassroots projects that we're working on together. Mr. Chris Harper, everybody, round of applause. How are you doing? Um, I'm good, I'm good. How's everything going your way? All How's... good, all
1: good, not bad. Just at home, relaxing with the family, watching a little football. Just enjoying my Sunday and my day off.
0: Yeah. Do
1: you get in trouble for doing this on Valentine's Day? Oh, no, no. My wife's okay <laughs> with that. She, yeah. She's fine. Part Part of the job.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's give everybody who doesn't know who you are, probably not many, I think at this point, but just a breakdown on who you are and and how you, how you got into basketball.
1: Uh, Probably started about the age of seven, but you know, where, where I grow up and where I grew up is basically, you know, um, they put a ball in your hand and you play and you put it over kids and you take it from there.
0: Okay. So you, you were, you're born and raised in, in, in America during quite a, well, what's the way I can, I can, I can pronounce or, 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 get, or get this across in a PC way. It was a very difficult time for, for people of color or people who are uh, not white during without in, in a doubt. Um, the,
1: the neighborhood I was growing up uh, and I grew up in was, um, Dominant Hispanic, and then you've got um, a certain um, amount of, uh, of black people there. You probably had maybe one percent white, um, you know. And you grow up, you know, basically hard knocks. You know, you you uh, you get knocked down, you get back up, and you get on with it. So, so which part of America did you grow up in? Uh, Riverside, California. It's just uh, a little bit further south of uh, Los Angeles. <coughs>
0: Were you ever sort of exposed to any of the sort of early days of the gang culture?
1: Um, I mean, it was in the environment. You know, you you had the drive-bys. You had, um, you know, you, you know, you and your friends, you know, walking down the street or are, are hanging out in front of what each other's homes, and somebody would probably drive by and, and take a few shots at you. You just you, you duck, you dive, you run, and you just get up and get on with it.
0: Unbelievable. So what would you say, like, um, compared to how the kids are growing up nowadays in, in Cardiff, in South Wales? Well, let's just focus on Cardiff for the moment, because um, we've got a growing um, gang problem, um, something you may or may not be aware of. And, and the reason I say you, you may not be aware of it is that a lot of the media and even the police don't have a, a handle on the problem in, in Cardiff, uh, Barry and and, Eve, and and Newport you know that whole area there's a serious gang problem that's going on a lot of knife crime and that sort of thing but what was it like um, growing up as a young teenager a young black man in, in the states obviously you had those crimes but was it as bad back then uh, or, or you know compared to what we've got now I mean how, how would you kind of differentiate I guess? well
1: growing up in the environment and I I grew up in in the environment that the kids are growing up now, it's a huge, huge difference. It's a major contrast because at home <laughs> people carry guns. They may carry knives here. You know, you can run away from a knife, but you can't run away from a gun. You know, <laughs> if you're running away, you know, you can still get shot. Um, you know, if somebody wants to rob you, they're not going to rob you with the knife. They're going to rob you with the gun. Um, the violence was extremely bad back then. Um And I don't know if it's tailed off at all, because I don't live, you know, my my family still live there, but I don't know if it's tailed off um, at all. But um, there was a story, you know, I went home uh, over a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And um, this gentleman, was all he was doing is actually fixing up his car, took it down the road, turned around and came back on one of the streets that I grew up in. And a bunch of kids wanted to make a name for themselves, and, you know one of them was my nephew just happened to be one of my nephew's and they shot this gentleman um and they killed him so the the difference here is that I don't I don't I'm not saying that it's not um, a bad situation because all violence and gangs are bad but it's a different level when you're carrying guns and other people are carrying guns and they want to make a rep and the rep is they gotta drop someone you know yeah. here I don't know if they to, to, to make a rep if they've got to stab you or if they've got to, yeah. you know, they call them beatdowns at home. If three or four guys jump one guy and and they give them, you know, a, a bit of a lesson and then they move on. There, it's a little bit worse. The violence, I think maybe where I grew up in and where the violence here in Cardiff and Barry and all the other places, it's on a complete different level.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Um,
1: I, I I'd rather bring my child up here in this environment than would I would have to say back in in California.
0: How did you How did you get? I mean, you were, you were drafted to the NBA, but how did you get involved in basketball? You mentioned they they just put it in your hands, but at some point, you know, there must have been something a switch that must have clicked in your head and said, "Look, you know, I want to go pro with this. You know, I I want to make this my." my career, my, my life, you know, what, what, at what point did that happen or was it anybody who influenced you to make that happen?
1: Well, to be honest, I, I never, it never crossed my mind growing up as a child because we just played because we loved to play and it was major competitions. You know, a lot of times it was the younger kids, but against the older kids, you know, yeah. say we're 12, 13, these guys are 18, 20 and 30 year olds, you know, you get knocked down. If you don't get up, they step on you, they kick you, and they just keep going. You know, it's, it's a hard lesson um, here. I I, I I find basketball a bit soft now because there's not a lot of there's not as much contact now than there was when I grew up. Um, but as far as me, how I got involved in basketball, is one of my best friend's brother, um, his name was Kelvin Coachman, and, and Daryl and I, we just lived right across the road from one another, and he used to just take us down to the local park. And luckily, the park was you know, not too far from where we lived. It was in our, our, our local um, neighborhood. And every morning, the gym opened at 12. We're there at 11, waiting to queue to get in. And you know we didn't leave until they actually kicked us out. You know, and, and at one point the guy just gave us a key because he just couldn't get rid of us. And they used to call us, uh, you know, there's that old saying about being a, a gym rat. Well, I'd say 80 to 90 percent of us were definitely gym rats. Kids today don't know what a gym rat is. You go in there, you don't leave until they actually kick you out, and then you start asking for a key and just promise the guy that's you know maintaining the building that. Um, you'll close up and, and, you know, secure the building.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, different days, definitely different days. I don't think (laughs) with the way that health and safety is and with the way that, you know, we have a bit of a nanny state sometimes here that I don't think they're going to give a key to any kids, you know? So, how did you, how, what route did you take to going about getting getting drafted? Did you go through college? Did you complete a, a college degree or did you go straight to the league? How, well, how did that work?
1: Well, basically, um, after high school, I got, I got recruited by a number of major universities. But the thing that, is, you know, when you're so used to playing, you don't want to go somewhere and sit on a bench. You know, you don't want to ride, as we say, you don't want to ride the pine. Yeah. So I went to, um, they call it a junior college. So I went to a junior college the first year and um, the team did extremely well. We went to the state finals. We ended up losing by seven, I think it was. And the coach says, you all stick to, There was uh, it was 14 sophomore, a freshman, and we had one sophomore. And we went to the final, we lost in the final. And he just said, basically, if you all listen to me, next next year, I promise you, I guarantee you, we'll win it. So, obviously, all the guys stuck together, didn't move on. We came back an, another year. Um, I think we might have lost two games that year, Went to the finals, won the finals by 21 points, beat a big team. Um, I had 39 in the final, um, MVP of the of the, the state uh, finals. And then there was, I don't know, how many major university um, recruitment coaches there. Um, after the game, you get talked to, you get slipped letters. They, they want to have conversations with you. But one um, team stuck in my mind, and they're the first team that ever recruited me out of high school was, was the University of Oregon, and which is where I end up going. So they came down probably one night where all me and the guys were playing um, some late eight, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock basketball one night in the dorms. And this coach came down. This assistant head coach came down, and he, he recruited me right then and there. And just says, "We want you to come to us. Um, you know, I guarantee you playing time. If not, you might even be able to start." And I took my chance. I went with them, and you know, basically, as they say, it was history.
0: That sounds amazing. Really excited yeah. yeah. to how it how it how it used to be. How it used to be. So. You went to the university. How long were you there for? How long were you? I after- was
1: there three years at at the University of Oregon, um, and I got my little break. They had a point guard. never forget this Jim. He's about five foot ten. donald um, Donald Dutton his name was, and they used to call him the duck. He was from Delaware um, uh, back in the east. Um, he had game, you know he had ball handles, but he wasn't a very good shooter. And all my teammates used to say, just wait your time, wait your time. Playing against uh, one of the bigger teams, I think it might have been Arizona or Washington University of Washington, and he was turning the ball over quite a bit. And basically, the coach just ran down the the bench, grabbed me by the shirt, lifted me up, and said, "Get him out." I won't use the choice words that he said, but they weren't very uh, you know nice words because he he wanted this gentleman out. And from that game, and that was in the um the the it wasn't the preseason; it was the like second or third game of the season. And from then, he lost his starting position. I started every game from then until I left the university.
0: And then, how did the what What was the process of getting drafted? Because I know you know a lot of our guys, and a lot of people who are going to be listening. Because I'm sure this is going to go out and hit the basketball community. You know what those guys are like. The, what was the process of actually getting drafted back then? So you 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 done your three years. You know what I mean. You you. You basically you'd got onto the onto the the, to the NBA's radar, as it were. How did that go down?
1: Well, how it happens is that every major university, there's always going to be um, people from the NBA watching you. They actually watch you from when you're like ten years old. They re, they start recruiting kids. It probably even goes even deeper now because they start recruiting kids when they're six, seven, eight years old now. But back then. Uh, It was a lot harder to get drafted than it is now because, you know, obviously they've got only a few drafts, but I think they went up to like 10 rounds. They go to a couple of rounds now. And I don't want to sound like I'm um, contradicting myself, but there were much, much better players back then. You know, they let you play. They let you play physically. You can put your hands on. You touch somebody now, to foul in the NBA. Um, It's a lot of one-on-one now. Back then, you played as a team they're clearing out in games in the NBA. You know, for instance, like, you know, with the Lakers, LeBron gets the ball, everybody moves out of the way. You know, even when, I mean, I had people like Michael Jordan back in there, Patrick Ewing, um, you know, A.C. A. Green, I'd it was Kevin Johnson, Reggie Miller.
0: You were the same year, right, as Jordan, I think. Is that right? We the um, same year? I
1: mean, it might have been the same year or it was maybe the year after, but okay. it, it might have been the same year. They had David Robinson, you know, the list goes on. But yeah. i I think personally back because you've got these young guys you I mean the the top four or five this year are 18 19 20 year olds you know back then kids stayed in university got their their degrees and they then they you know applied for the NBA but how it goes down is that they want they they, re, they they just come to games and they scout you and they scout they just follow you and and if I didn't My situation was is I ended up blowing my knee out my junior year. So I sat out um, most of the part of the the beginning of the season. What I should have done is probably um, shirt it where you sit out a year and then did some rehabilitation on my knee and came back and probably came back stronger, probably went a little bit higher in the draft. Because before that, I was predicted to go a lot higher. Yeah. But they didn't think, you know, eighty-five games, you know, somebody blowing their knee out would be able to take the punishment. But, you know, things happen, you know, you move on, and here I am today.
0: Okay, amazing. So what what's the I know we've discussed it on a personal level, but how did you come over to Europe? What what was the uh, what was the spark? Because you, you started playing, I think, a little bit of ABA in the States for a little bit. Or what, yes. what was the situation um, after that?
1: After um leaving San Antonio, they wanted me to play in what they call their
0: um So I just I just want to remind everybody. Yeah uh, Chris, you were you were drafted by San Antonio Spurs. I wanna make yeah. that clear. I think, I think that's amazing, by the way, but yeah. I just want to get that out there. Um yeah. and then um after San Antonio, you know, after the injury and everything like that. You did, you, you did some, there was another pro league. The, uh, no, the ABA wasn't there. I can't remember. It's the what, uh, ABA,
1: uh, ABA, Kansas City Sizzlers, they were called at the time. But yeah. I chose not to do that route. Um, I, I, I graduated, got my degree. And I had a job offer to teach uh, physical education, which is what I did. I went to, uh, it was a, a junior college in, called Foothill, in Palo Alto. So I ended up going there um, and I, um, doing my rehabilitation there. Um, coached there for two years, taught there for two years. Then I got an offer to go to Germany. So I picked the offer up, went to Germany for a year, played there, probably could have moved on. Um, but then my father passed away. So I went back to America, sat out another year. So I basically wasted three years of playing professionally. Um, and then I got a call from my agent to go to New Zealand. So I went to New Zealand. I played there for a year. Who, who did um, you
0: play for in Germany? Who did you play for? Do you remember? Uh, it was it was a, a team in uh, Marburg, Germany. Okay.
1: Um, I can't exactly remember the exact team, but it was in Marburg. It was Marburg. You say we say Marble Capitals or something. But
0: I how did you find that? Because again, we're still talking. This is still early eighties, right? And this is still not that long after World War Two. If you know what I mean, you know, yeah, with, yeah, with they're, everything. They're, I never had any tension.
1: No, no, no. Um, I mean, you know, you, you you get looks, you know, because you've been like in, in this the city that I um, played in, there wasn't very many um, people of color there. And I used to call them stone faces because they never smiled, you know. And luckily I met this little American, this white kid that was over there studying German and he lived there for five or six years. And him and I just became good friends. We went into places, went into restaurants. They He said that people would make remarks in German then he put put them in their place because they didn't realize that he spoke German fluently because he had a, uh, (coughs) excuse me, he had a um, New York accent. Yeah. Not realizing this gentleman spoke uh, German fluently. He put them in their place. And um, that's probably the most racist, you know, or racism that I, you know, I had while I was there.
0: Okay. All right. And then you went from, from, from Europe and then you went over to New Zealand, you're saying, yeah.
1: Yeah, I went to New Zealand, played there, very, very, very high level. The level um, back then is much higher, I personally think, than it is here in Britain. Because when I came, after I left there, I went back home another year out, then um, got an offer to come here through the agent. Didn't even know where I have to say, and I'll say sorry to the the people of Wells. I never even heard of Wells, you know, and they says, oh, it's in Great Britain. I thought, okay, come over, take a shot at it. Um, And didn't find the league very hard because by halftime, I was already, I'd have 25 at halftime. So so how did you get over to, so you got offered to come over to Cardiff, was it? Or was it, was it to... to I I got, I got, I got an offer through my agent saying, oh, I've got a job for you. Because the job, the originally, the original job that I was supposed to have had was in Sweden. So they had this... This guy that um, basically he pumped up his resume saying that he averaged this. He he could score this amount of points. You know, he's a great defender. You know, basically the guy lied. Yeah. And through my agent, I found out that the guy probably lasted about two months and they got rid of him. Sweden or Cardiff? Cardiff. It was in Sweden.
0: Sweden. Because that's
1: where I was going to, I was heading there until that happened because this guy pumped up his resume. So I ended up. Not taking that job because the job wasn't offered after that because they, they gave it to some guy that they thought that had a better resume than I had, basketball resume. Okay. So a couple of weeks later at some friend's house in San Francisco, got a call. We, I got you a job, guaranteed job. It's in uh, in Wales. I says, well, I don't know where Wales is. So he explained. He said, it's in the U.K.? and I says well you know what's the weather like what's the people like they speak english blah 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 yes i says well, i'll give it a, i'll give it a try i'll give it a shot and that was in 1992 <clears throat> and met my wife here you know got a kid stepson my my youngest son and as they say the rest is history still here okay so
0: you say the rest of this history because we've had this conversation a couple of times, right? right. But for our listeners, it, it's it's exciting and it's it's important. Like I said to you, you know, we've had this conversation, you know, and I said when we when we first started to engage with you, and I said it's important for people to understand um, who our who who are who our heroes are, who who the people that came before us, right? Especially from the Bain community, whether they're black, brown, Asian, wh- whatever, whatever it is, it's important because our heroes aren't, they're not solidified in, in, in the history, right, of the sport. No, not at all. They're, they're not, right? So me and you, we've been going, we're doing some things. We were trying to bring some videos. We, you're still not bringing those videos but in. But Coram, yeah, I, I just want to <laughs> say to your listeners, you are my hero. <laughs> thank you very much uh sarcasm right but that's fine but th- this is why it's important you know that that we put these things down and there's a record of this out there right whether people say it's an opinion or whether they say it's fact it's irrelevant the conversation is there and the people that you have engaged with over the years will know so you've come to Cardiff middle of what in the no. 1990s? What was Cardiff like in the 90s? It was pretty bad in the 90s, man. I, I like you know, I I like I grew I I'm an 80s baby. I grew up in you know 81. I, I was born in 81, and so I I remember the 90s very well. And it was the late 80s when I got into basketball. So 89, 90, the early Jordan years, right? And Cardiff wasn't a very nice place. It wasn't yeah. a very nice place. It was very. There was a lot of conflict and a lot of tension, both in the schools and you know, kids are kids, you know, but they just pick up what they hear. But it was basketball that everybody kind of looked towards, and I think I want to tell that story because I think that's important because it, it really kind of opened some doors. So you've you've come over in ninety two, and, and which team did you join? What what was it? What was it called? there Cardiff. Uh, back then, the team was called Cardiff Heat. Okay, okay. So um, you have come uh, in. The- yeah, the the the,
1: the um, company that owned us was called Brent Walker. I'm not really sure if too many people um, know who they are, but they also own the uh, Cardiff Devils. Ah, so, uh, okay. Yeah, so there was quite a bit of money back then because they put a lot of money into the Devils. They put a lot of money into our basketball. We used to play out of the ice rink. They'd yeah. have their away games. We'd play our home games there.
0: Okay okay so what they put a floor down or something is they, it they or... put a wooden floor
1: over the ice uh, yeah. but it was a, it was a very very nice facilities you know when we you know pretty much almost packed it out a lot of the times um good very very good environment uh, yeah. you know you know that you you knew the crowd was there yeah um, and it was a nice place to play
0: yeah wow i didn't know that i didn't know that okay and then you Talk us through some of the things that you did with Cardiff, because this this pro team that that was there was obviously not many people know that that they, they, they you know that there was this high level team in Cardiff. You know, people. I actually had a conversation with um, the the I, I, former, or he might even still be the current uh, Welsh Men's National Coach, and he wasn't aware that we had a pro team, you know, a high level team, you know, back in the day. And I said, yeah, we did, you know, is it, is it? and he said, oh, wow. Because the thing is, I think a lot of the people that he's speaking to are not really from Cardiff, you know, they're, they're people who are, uh, you know, naturalized, like yourself, naturalized into Cardiff, right? The students they've settled down. They don't know the history going back that time because they were never involved in it. And it hasn't been as well documented what you did. So um, well, I think, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah.
1: No, I was just gonna say, you know, basketball is not at the same level now than it was when I came here, because in the Welsh League they probably had maybe ten different divisions, and wow. each division probably had ten to fifteen, even maybe twenty different teams. Wow. So basketball was on, on on the up back then, and then obviously you had the you had the um, English teams and the English division, and they had the same. And and basketball in the English division, obviously, it was on another level compared to the Welsh um, basketball division, and the leagues were a little bit tougher there. And we just basically we started off in um, Division One,
0: yeah.
1: and we worked we worked on our way up to the so-called at the time the Buttweiser. We played a lot of the Buttweiser teams in cups and. Um, so, so-called friendly games you know like london um towers and um yeah. Tim valley tigers you know we played all the so-called top ten warming bears and, and that's when you shine you, you know you, you turn your game up you know that's when i probably had my best games
0: for people that don't know there was a league called the budweiser league it was a precursor to the BBL that we have now british basketball league which is the uh official professional league right it's like the premiership of of basketball uh, and below the BBL is the National Basketball League which is what we compete in right now we're division 3 and it goes up to division 1 and then you know if you're very successful in division 1 then you try and set up your own franchise in the BBL or or the, or the Budweiser but also, you know, some of the things that you said in there, people may or may not remember, and I'll see if I can find some clips and, uh, and post them up. But the London Towers were involved with, you know, some big sponsorship. I know they had a sponsorship deal with, was it either McDonald's or, or, or Burger King? At some point, uh, they were on the TV well, they, and a lot they of adverts. Had, they,
1: they had a number of um,
0: sponsors. You know,
1: they 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 made a lot of money. The Americans that played for them, they made a, a heck of a lot of money, and I remember. <laughs> Um, us playing them, and, and a gentleman named Ted Hotling, he was a six foot four guard, also a point guard, he was a shooting guard, and him and I, I mean, we lift the team up, but they were just too big at the time, I mean, I had probably 35, or something like that, he had 34, 35, but um, they just had such a strong, strong team, and a big team, but then I, I go back to where um, a lot of these guys don't probably don't know who Alton Burt was, but he was supposed to be the best guard um, ever um, in Britain. So, uh, and he ended up, actually he was my agent. So we had to play him and I think I'm, I ended up with 54, 55. And I said, this is the best that they've had. This is the best point guard they've ever had in in Britain. Um, and then the following year, he, they got promoted to the Butwiser, and he offered me a job. And I think it was something like maybe fifteen hundred a week they offered, to, you know, to pay me.
0: Who's this but Cardiff I, now? Or sorry, was this Cardiff now who were offering to pay you that?
1: No, what no. This be? at that time, this was after we had played them in the um, in the first division. That they got, they won the league, and they got promoted to the Butwiser league.
0: Was this and then, Which team was this? Sorry, sorry. Zoe. That
1: was Crystal Palace.
0: Crystal Palace. Okay. May- yeah, I know, I know.
1: One of the better teams in the Primers, you know, in, in the Budweiser. Yeah. Um, I mean, they caught it premiership sometimes, but it was a Budweiser league back then. Yeah. Uh, they won the league and they got promoted straight up and they, they had, but they just felt that they were missing uh, a, a missing link. Because the, the, the following year, they probably came in like third or fourth up in the, the the uh, Butweiser, and the next the following year after that, he offered me a job to come up, and minimum I just said to this gentleman, I wouldn't come up for less than fifteen hundred a week. So he goes away for a couple hours, comes back, calls me and says, Yeah, we'll give you that. But wow. at that time, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have taken it, but I didn't because I was with my well, we weren't married at the time. I just opened a um, Harper's American Sports in town, yeah. so things were going quite well. And I didn't really want to leave that and then take the chance of, you know, I mean, the salary would have been great, but
0: money always doesn't bring
1: you happiness. You know, no, it's what's no. around you.
0: Okay, so so you, you basically took Cardiff basketball to the next level. You know, you were probably, from, from all intents and purposes, I, I mean, I only saw you play maybe about half a dozen times. You know, I couldn't afford to pay to see you play. So where I got to see you play and if you remember, you may not remember, but it was actually in uh, Butte Town Pavilion on a Sunday. And it used to be um, yourself, Julian, um, who I still see around every once in a while. And um, I think you did a couple of sessions, you know, w- with with various schools, and, and and I was involved in, you know, as a as a young child and stuff. But I think, but but there was there was some changes. So Cardiff Heat kind of. What, what what happened there? It folded, and then you set up Cardiff Phoenix, or or, or what happened? Well, yeah, well, basically, um, after the first two years,
1: um, the the guy that owned the team at the time, you know, he he didn't push for uh, more sponsorship. He, he he said that he did, but I don't think he took it as far as he could have. So that that second year, I actually got an offer to go to Israel, which I got on the plane, and I went to. And I was there for a couple of days and I blew my ankle out, which would have been, you know, yeah. um, probably the, the serious making of me financially if, if that was the case. Because they, they paid a heck of a lot over there in, yeah. in that part of Europe. Um, so I came back. The team folded, So we um, basically, the Phoenix rises from the ashes. And that's where the name came from. And myself and this gentleman named Gwen Redmond. Um, came together, worked on sponsorships and we, we ran it, you know, ourselves. Um and we were fairly successful. Got a few sponsorships, you know, to help us run the team. Um it's 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 a lot of work, you know, if you wanna, you know, you want something out of it, you gotta put a, a lot back in. And yeah. by putting a lot back in, we were able to play in the National Sports Center. You know, we filled that place quite often. Um, and whenever we couldn't get that venue, we went to other um uh, leisure centers we played there always successful in those um, we end up because we because we the team went under we had to start over in division two instead right. of division one we had to work our way back up obviously yeah. we went to that division we won that division won the finals we went back up you know MVP yeah. of that final also um, played well in that had a good team um, and we worked our way back up to division one.
0: Let me let me shift a little gear now. So the Phoenix eventually things kind of came to a natural conclusion, probably is the best way to put it, around about the end of was it ninety eight, ninety nine? I think um, was that the last season with them? I I, I really can't um, I'm not really sure exactly
1: when we came to an end because when we knew we lost all of our sponsorship. I ended up going to Coventry. I played. I, you know, I got uh, a right. contract offer to go to play
0: in Coventry. Okay. So when so, did you stop playing pro ball then?
1: Oh God, I was, geez, probably 43, 44, and I'm fifty eight now. Okay. So I played because from Coventry I played there two years, and then I came back to Cardiff, and um, I got an offer to go up to, um, up to Eastleigh, and I played for uh, what Solent Stars. So I ended up wow. playing up there for two years, and I was into my forties then.
0: Yeah,
1: but still playing at the high level, you know the the the, you know the level just under the the Budweiser at the time.
0: Okay, amazing. So, because the Phoenix then carried on for a little bit, and then that kind of because you had the Phoenix, and then I think you had Cardiff yeah. Clippers, yeah, the Clippers, right? And then I think the Phoenix. I think after you left after you lost a sponsorship and then obviously you continued playing pro, they carried on for maybe a season or two. And then they kind of like either merged with Clippers or they, or they came to a natural conclusion. What did you do then after you finished playing? You know, when would you say your last year was, and what did you do when you were like, right, okay, it's time for professional level retirement?
1: Right. Well, let me, let me just clear something up. First of all, as far as Cardiff, phoenix and the clippers um you know coming together realistically that didn't that didn't happen because they were on a lower division they were they were trying to work their way up to us yeah i mean we played them in cups you know a few times beat them by 30 35 so the levels were a lot different no matter what they might say or some of the ex-players might say they weren't on the same level that we were on they had fairly good players but they weren't on the level that we were playing at because if they're in the same division that we we played in, they would have struggled. They probably would have finished in the lower parts of the league. We okay. always finished in the, the top three. Um, okay. One year, I think we might have even won it. So I, I can't rec- recall, but I know we always finished in the top. Um, you know, if if, if, if my memory um, doesn't fail me, you know, we always did quite well in that division. And that's why we came close to going to the, um, to the Budweiser a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lost in the finals. We made it to the finals. Lost in the finals, and I think that might have been to Crystal Palace that we who we lost in the finals to.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and but... that's where
0: they poached you from in the end. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because I gave them fifty or fifty-five or something like that. You know, if you drop a lot enough points on a team, then they're going to try to recruit you. Obviously, yeah. but um, you know that that I can't. I honestly can't. Re- Recall exactly when my final year was, and then, but at that time, I had the shop room going, anyways, yeah. and then I I got into um nursing, and I was doing rehabilitation on a neuropsychiatry ward. So, you know, I just went from basketball to a shop part shop owner and nursing. So that's yeah, where I got. to ask
0: shop. about that. So how yeah. how did you get into nursing? Was was it was it like a passion on the side, or was something you doing? part-time was something you were just generally interested in
1: well no, i um my, my, my brother my brother-in-law sorry is uh, he's a psychiatrist now he was a nurse back then and you know you can only you can only play so much basketball daily you yeah. know if you're a professional and you can only train so much there's a lot of spare time so i just basically said look I need, I need, I need something to do, and he just says, "Well, why don't you go over to to You know, um, I'll, I'll set you up with someone to speak to." So he he basically set me up with this gentleman, and you know, I, I just took it from there, and I was on the neuropsychiatry war for about seven years.
0: See, now that is something that may surprise some of the people that are not big fans of yourself. Do you know what I mean? That's it, fine. Because. No, no, I, and and the real, and that's a compliment in, in a sense, right? Because even when we've had our rivalries in the past, I've, I've always been, you know, I've always been respectful. I've always been, I've always smiled. and Because I get it, right? I understand a telling part of that role where you have to be selfless to do something like that. Maybe critics of yourself, you know, that, okay, there's this guy here, he's super competitive, wants everything, he wants to win everything. He's this, that, and the other. But at the same time, this is something that you do, you know, as as, as a profession, and I have done for was it been nearly nearly twenty years now, nearly fifteen, sixteen years, uh, twenty one years, twenty one years, twenty one,
1: yeah. But the thing is about you know being a hero to somebody, you know, I'm I'm not any in my eyes, I'm not anybody's hero. The only hero I want to be is to to my family, you know. Yeah. Um, as far as me being some other kids, you know, hero, they that should be their father and their parents' job. It shouldn't be mine. You know, I, I played basketball. I didn't play it for anyone else. I played it because I enjoyed it and I played it because I loved it. Yeah. And when I got on the court, it took me away from a lot of, of things. Even as I was growing up, you get on the court, you don't, you're not worried about things that are happening outside in the streets because you're in a safe place. And yeah. that was the, my only concern is just having fun. Once yeah. I stepped across that line, I was a completely different person because I was always taught, you know, if you're going to play, you play to win. I hated losing. And I still, to this day, I don't care what I'm playing. I don't like losing. So what's the point of playing if you're not going to play to win?
0: I just want to, I just want to like, I want to disagree with you on one point is that you're saying, you know, oh, you know, uh, I'm not out there to be a hero, but I think you carried yourself very responsibly with, with young people like over the years, you know, I see guys who are my age and I've been pushing 40 now and older still like, Oh, Hey coach, how are you doing? You know, I see that in the street, you know uh, both when you've seen me around or when we've been together and when you're not, you know, and I think that the fact that you have had that impact on these people, even to this day, it's like I said, it's one of those things that needs to be recognized and documented and needs to be, you know, kind of put down into the history books, whichever way, whichever history books those are, because I mean, how many? You know, this. I give you an example, and not to kind of toot my own horn, but the guys, the the, the, the guys that, I, that 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 you're coaching right now, right? They said to me, they said, "Oh, Casey, you know, oh, do this, do that, right?" And I, and and I continue doing it. And they said to me, Casey, why would you put up with all of the stuff that I have to put up with? The finances, the internal dramas—I'm sure you're aware of. And I said, because if I don't do it, I don't know who else is going to do it.
1: Right. And correct. I think
0: and I think you've had the same approach in the sense that you've done things and you've learned from them but you've also been very selfless a lot and I think you've been very what's the word that I used previously I can't remember but you've been, you've just been very responsible with the fact that you've been put into that position of one authority and you know what I mean these kids looking up to you, but also the fact that you know what I mean these kids are these kids are going to go on you know we're talking we're talking three decades you know we're talking h- hundreds thousands of kids you know because you you went up into the valleys you were doing a lot of these different things so that's the one thing i would say i would just disagree with you on that point yeah your parents are always going to be your heroes and that's going to go up and down but i think you've conducted yourself with you know what i mean i'm sure we've all made mistakes but you've conducted yourself in such a way that even to this day whenever I speak to people, they they speak very fondly of you. There's very few people that anybody in any aspect of life still speak fondly of, you know, like we've well, had our uh, ups and downs, but like I'm quite proud that 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 we, we're working together now, right? I think that right, okay, we're two quite formidable people within what we do, Mine more administration, yours, the basketball side of things. And that's and that's great, you know, that's what it should be, you know, pooling together our resources. But there's very few people that speak as fondly about anybody, you know, over the years, you know, because after time people go, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. But I don't think that's the case. So I, I don't think you should. I disagree with you on that point. I, I won't, I, I won't I, hammer it anymore. No, no, uh, no.
1: I understand that. But what, what? There, there's a, there's a few things that people have to understand. <clears throat> You know, as far as, you know, being um, a role model, you know, there's, there's, there's so-called role models. You know, they, they look at people like Michael Jordan, uh, professional athletes, any professional athlete as a role model. Sure. <clears throat> the way society is now, it's all um, social media, which is, to me, is an extremely dangerous um, platform, right? But my my examples are the way I play, you know, I don't want to try to be somebody's role model by Um, out there showing off and doing things that don't come naturally you know I just went out there to play and I played hard if you're going to play you play you give everything that you've got while you're on the
0: court it's how you engaged with people when you weren't playing you know it's it's how you were with them when you were coaching them or you'd see them on the court or um, again you know when you talk to the youngsters okay so what are you going to do you know what are you doing in school to help you get to where you want to go, those tough right. questions, those direct questions that the teachers are too scared to ask, you know. Right.
1: Well, the the way um, whenever I coach kids, you know, if I were to continue to coach them now, <clears throat> even the guys that 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 were coaching now, um, I was always thought basketball is life, right? It's it, there's there's the way you um, you treat people. In basketball is the way you should perform when you're off the court if you had a job so example is is that in basketball you have to have discipline right so there's always going to be someone that is a coach is going to be um given directions if you're unless you you win the lottery or if you 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 own your own company you're always going to have someone that that is going to be your boss so The same thing in basketball, if I'm your owner or I'm your coach or I'm your boss, it's the same thing that carries over in life. So that's how I used to teach because that's how I was taught. You're gonna to have to work for someone. you gotta have the discipline. You might not like him or you might like not like he what he or she says, but it's your job. So you have to carry yourself and do your job and do it the best that you can and listen to what they have to say. And then once you leave your job, you can say whatever you have to say about your boss or whoever else um, is involved in, in, in where you're working. But it's still, if you're nice in basketball and you you uh, if you're able to, to take um, discipline and you're able to take criticism, right? Most criticism I try to give is constructive criticism. Or my coaches say you beat someone down right? But then you build them back up and you make them a better person. You make the people around you better people. You make the players around you better players, you know, but you're, you know, you got to be negative to get to the positive. You know, you got to, you got to break them down to build them. And that's how kids are, are taught. You know, they may not be getting discipline at home, but when they get on the court, that's where you, you give them a little discipline and it carries over into life, you know, because, if you allow them to run wild on the court, they're going to run wild in the streets. If they're running wild in the streets, then if they ever got a job, they're going to run wild in the job. So, yeah. you know, it's hand in hand, isn't it? You know, you, you know, and that's how it was taught. Basketball is, you, you treat it like you're moving on to life and that's what it's going to carry eventually. You got to be able to listen to what people tell you. You know, there are people, players that think They know everything, just like kids think they know everything, but they don't, you know. Um, They will learn if some people have to learn the hard way. You know, you might get out there, you might say something to the wrong person, and there's always someone bigger and better and harder out there than you are. Just listen to what people are telling you. Simple. Then you have a, I've always wanted an easy life, you know, and you know, we've all had our ups and downs, you know, it hasn't always been roses, or better roses for me, you know, and it hasn't always been a better roses for my family, but that's part of life, you know, yeah. but the strong st- survive and the strong stay together. Yeah.
0: hundred percent. You know, just talking so about that. Sorry, go on.
1: No, I'm just going to say, so hopefully the boys that we're were, we're, we're um, coaching that I I call educating, you know, because I'm just trying to pass on the experience and knowledge basketball wise that i have and i just want to pass it on now i, I got out of it for a couple of years and if it wasn't for you and um your running mate so. um so, exactly, <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't be involved because yeah. i got you know this with
0: the politics of basketball you know okay. it's just a game it's a, it's a game should so enjoy let's, it. let's bring up those let's bring up some of those politics there so the name of this podcast is "Is No Critics No Success." So, "No Critics No Success" um, is all about basically mavericks—people who've done it their way, um, have been, you know, had a lot of criticism, saying, "Oh, you can't do this, you can't achieve this, you can't do this, you can't do it this way." But they've done it, you know. They've they've had their success. They've, you know, they they've kind of, you know, like Frank Sinatra said, "Did it did it his way," right? So you're known to say what you think. Right. And well, this see, has sometimes caused you some conflict. Well, right, yeah. you know, the bottom line is, and what people have to
1: realize, right? I got four of brothers. Okay. Yeah. You're standing in my family. If wow. you don't have anything nice to say, first of all, don't say it. But yeah. if somebody asks you a question, just tell them the truth. They may not like it, but at least you're being honest with yourself. So, if you're gonna ask me a question, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I'm thinking and how I feel about it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna like it. You know, then your decision is do I like this guy or or should I stay away from him? But well well that's a, that's
0: the question. That is the question. You know yeah. to say what you think. This has caused you some conflict, right? Which conflict do you wish? Do you wish you avoided or didn't cause? Which conflict do you, no, no, no. Wish you avoided or didn't Con- cause? Con- conflict is healthy for you, right? Because
1: it makes you a person, you know, because it's not going to be all nice and smooth selling in life. you got to have some conflict in your life. So, like I said, I've had many conflicts with people, you know, from the BAW to referees, um, yeah. to p- other players. Uh, you don't back down. That's the bottom line. If, if, if you feel that you're right, stand your ground but if they ask you a question tell them how you feel you know otherwise you're you're, you're cheating yourself you know i'm for i'm 58 uh, and i've been this way since i got to this age and hopefully i'll get another 20 30 years out of it but you ask me i'll tell you the truth i'll tell you what i'm i'm thinking
0: what's one thing you wish you had known when you began your career
1: well that's a good question um, i probably Oh, that's, that, that's a good question. Um, I probably would have worked even harder than I did. I worked quite hard anyway, but I probably would have worked. I would have pushed myself even that much further and harder um, and spent more time um, on the courts, in the in the gym, in the weight room, um, running, you know, but you, you get sidelined a bit. You know, and if you want something, you gotta avoid all of the outside, you gotta put yourself in a box or in a circle and everything else you just gotta leave until you get to where you wanna be. Single minded, right? Definitely. You know, people came down hard on Michael Jordan after he did this this last video, right? Yeah. He's a he, he was a born winner, right? He hated to lose and that's the same era I came from. I don't like losing. I don't like losing now. I play you some cards, I'm not gonna lose to you.
0: Okay. So, bearing that in mind, before we get on to the, the Jordan debate, because I know everybody okay. want to hear your okay, thoughts, on let's that. Hear it. where do you think you found your biggest critics? So, that's and from the know. coaching side, from from all aspects, Budweiser League, South Wales League, local leagues, whatever. Where have you found your biggest critics? And, well, and why do you think that they've been? Let's, well, because you've been let's successful. That, that, that is yeah. something that we need to put in there. Right. Well,
1: if, as far as my biggest critics, we'll go, we'll go all the way back to when I was growing up. You know, I was 14. I was in a Spanish class or, or an English class. And the teacher says, um, you're not going to be successful. Just get, be prepared to work with your hands, you know, because they put people of color. They didn't want you to succeed. They didn't want you to get a degree. They didn't think that you could you could think for yourself. They didn't think that you were smart enough or educated enough to go into um, university and graduate. Yeah. So that was my first critic that I shut him up. Right. And if yeah. I ever saw him, I I I'd tell him the same thing. Remember back in the day when I was a child, blah, blah, blah. You told me that I was going to be anything. <laughs> well, you know, I went to a major university. I got a degree. I played on television. You know, I got drafted. So I became nothing in your eyes. Um, and then my biggest, biggest critic in my eyes would have been my mother and my, my family back then. Because if I, was well, staying with one of my brothers at the time, Jackie. He um, he made sure that I was up at four, running the streets, running and doing my miles. And one day I recall it must have been about twenty past four, on like a Wednesday or Thursday. And I didn't get up on time. And he was just coming in from work, and he just kicked me and said, "What's your problem?" And I said, "What do you mean?" He says, "It's twenty past four. You're late." You know. So I got up. I mean, if you're going to have a hero. That man is my hero, my brother, because he's worked hard all his life.
0: Would you say he's one of the three most influential people? Well,
1: my mother, my brother, and then I'll put the rest of my family. Okay. Right. Those are the most influential people in my life because um, my mother was a nurse. She worked 16 hours a day. My father wasn't around. She raised 10 kids on her own. Um, And it wasn't the easiest job because... Um, some of my brothers were not the nicest people um, because they used to run the streets. And, and I, you know, I'm not ashamed because it's where I'm from. <laughs> Two of them were in and out of prison.
0: Yeah.
1: But like, I never stopped, look, never looked down on them. They still were, I always looked up to them because we're family. Yeah. Um, I never lost respect for them. They did what they had to do to survive. Um, yeah. And then as far as being, you know, critics here, I didn't care and then maybe that's why where where I, I became ruthless because I didn't care and I still don't care what people think of it because unless you're gonna pay my bills, you're gonna pay my mortgage, I don't really care what you have to say. So, <laughs> you know, um, The situation is with the social media, right? That's where the parents come in, okay? You, you need to, to teach your kids that everything you see on on, on social media, it's it's not true. You get you got these these guys or these girls. They've got one look on social media, but they get past you in the streets and they look like a complete different person. It's called catfishing. Like, cat you fishing. understand what I mean? So you, yeah. you, you know, <laughs> she might look nice on the, uh, on on the screen, but then you see her him or her in person, and they're, they're it's a complete different person. Completely, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But as far as you know, people criticizing other people. I would say to kids and and even to the players that I'm coaching now, don't give a toss, right? To what people are saying or what they have to say about you. Because if they're, number one, if they're talking about you, you're important because you're giving them something to talk about. I don't care giving somebody something to talk about. That means they're thinking about me instead of thinking about themselves. Then number two, unless they are paying your bills, and they're going to pay your mortgage, right? And they're going to look after your family. Don't worry about what they say.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Not important. So let's move on to the big question. There's always a debate between myself and you, and even myself and and the younger guys. And I think they've won me over, to be honest. Uh, between and we would. And I was sending you messages the other day, actually, <laughs> about uh, this. Uh, and you though. said you said he was joking, but but I'll get into it. The game has changed. It's definitely changed. Whether you say it's evolved, it's got soft, or or whatever the situation is, there are guys who are doing things now that were not possible. Now, I would never say that LeBron is soft just the way he plays the game. I would never say that. But if we're going to go with the GOAT, the greatest of all time, who would you choose out of Jordan or LeBron and what are your reasons behind that? Well, first of all, right, okay, LeBron's a beast.
1: I love him now because he's a Laker. I'll be honest <laughs> with you, I, I, I didn't like him because he brought a title home to LA. So, you know, I gotta mm. give him I give him his dabs. But all through LeBron's career, he didn't like to take the final shot. He didn't take the pressure shot. Jordan demands the ball. Kobe Bryant demands the ball i put kobe bryant ahead of lebron right, right. The, the closest thing to michael jordan to be in the best in the world was kobe bryant yeah. right that's the closest i don't care who you are out there listening or whoever you are that loves basketball you got all these guys that think they know about basketball unless you witnessed yourself and i i played in that air i witnessed it i i I played against players that were in the NBA back then, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it was a different level to what it is now. Back then, they let you. Okay, for those who are listening, do your homework. Get on your Google. You're all on social media. You googled the Boston Celtics against the Lakers in the playoffs when Magic Johnson played. Okay, I'll Celtics name Celtics are my team, I'll, by the way. Okay, well, that, see that, but I'm a Laker fan. You know, so, um, so you, you 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 YouTube those two teams, right? Yeah. Then you go to Chicago and you Google Chicago versus Detroit, the Bad Boys, yeah. right? In the playoffs back then, it's they they had this rule: there is no layups. So if a player went for a layup, he was taken out. But do you think you that's a good that. thing or a bad thing? Because it doesn't it basketball. That takes the that that's what took the game to a different level. You see, so because playoff time is completely different, right, to the regular season. But see now, playoff in the regular season now in the league is still it's the same. They don't turn it up. Back then, Chicago took it to another level. Boston took it to another level. Detroit took it to another level. L A took it to another level where you come in for a layup, you're gonna feel it. You're gonna feel some
0: pain. Okay. Because what what you did you think back. of the What did you think of the uh, the 2016 finals? So uh, uh, LeBron is down three one to Golden State Warriors, and he comes back and wins four three. Okay, seven I, 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 I give him I give him credit to that, right? He carried. But what did team. you think of the game, the style of game? Because I I, I I felt that that was quite a physical encounter to come back from three yeah. and one down. It, it was physical. I mean, don't get me wrong, they weren't taking each other out in the air, and I and I don't know if I like that style of basketball personally, because there's a lot of injuries that could happen. I don't know if I if I well, that's something I would enjoy watching. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but you got you, you know so, some of the things that 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 happened in that in those yeah programs. i'll give you some examples okay with
1: that series there okay the, um, they they came back right yeah. but in my eyes golden state fell apart they got they got laxadaisical. they they thought okay we're 3-1 up game over it's ours right not knowing that you know if if you're a professional athlete you don't give up you don't quit until as they say the fat lady sings Okay yeah, now yeah. as far as the physical side of it my what what the point I was trying to make is is you know in those games right how many fights did you see happen not very many there wasn't very many arguments right you go back to the 80s you go back to the 70s and 80s right even the early 90s the game was extremely physical yep. right yeah i'll take you to where when the lakers had kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he did this film airplane and this kid goes up to the cockpit and he asks uh, kareem can i speak to you blah blah, blah. kareem says yeah what, what is it kid and the kid says my dad said you're lazy and that um you don't get up and down the court the way you should so he grabs the kid turns the kid around and says you tell your dad he tries to drag guys that are seven foot six foot ten six eleven weighing 300 pounds up and down the court right <laughs> now you, you get on the box, right, and you're posting somebody else. They don't let you put the elbow in their back. No. You see? So you watch the games back then. You're able to put your elbow in somebody's back. Even when the point guard is dribbling the ball, you can check them. You can check them. You can't yeah. touch them now. No. So
0: back then, you don't see um, point guards doing this. So let me get this straight then. You think that Jordan six rings – and what Jordan did in his shorter career um, were of more substance because the game was way more physical, i.e., dangerous. Because that—that's what we're saying. And what he achieved was testament to his to it's his great. greatness. Because oh. it, the level, the, the game was so different, so much more physical, so much harder. We're saying it was up another level. Is that what we're saying?
1: Well, it, it definitely was on another level. His achievement, to me, was a lot higher and harder than it is to what LeBron has, right? Because back then, they didn't go out and buy another superstar to make a, a great three. You played with what you
0: had. But didn't they bring in Pippen? And, and he even says brought in Pippen, Rodman. coach uh, was brought in as well. You know, these guys... Okay, they, they they were I, at least well forget about coach but Rodman was a star and I would say Pippin was a rising star when he came in and you know even even uh, Jordan says you know look I couldn't have got those rings without him you know and so it so he did no, have are, that support structure there you know no, he did have his but, stars there no
1: but what what you have to see the difference is right LeBron. You know, we, he won, okay, when he won it with, with Miami, who did he have on his team? He had Dwayne Wade, yep, right? He had um, Chris Bosch, three superstars,
0: yeah, yep.
1: right? When Magic won it, okay, okay, let's just use Jordan because that's who we're, we're discussing. Mm-hmm. We're going to use Jordan. Jordan had um, Dennis Rotman, which yeah. at one point wanted to kill himself, right? Yeah. He's a manic depressive, he disappeared yeah. during the playoffs. Right, <laughs> yeah. You had Scottie Pippen, the famous headaches when the game started getting tough. Detroit got rough with them. He yeah, disappeared. So, so Jordan had to carry the team, right? Yeah. Once, one season when they won the won the championship. But you can't Scotty say they're Pippen, not stars. You can't say they're no, not stars. No, no, at that time they weren't stars. They weren't superstars. Okay. Jordan was the only superstar on the team. Yeah. Right. They only became superstars because of what Jordan how he made them superstars okay because he put in their heads the only way we're going to win this is we got to win it together i can't carry you i can't do it on my own they double teamed me it's called journeyman they to me all of those guys were journeymen now scotty pippen even to this day was still one of my all-time favorite players and it wasn't because of the offensive side of it it's because he was a defensive specialist he was defending against excuse me, against point guards that were smaller, quicker, you know, but he was shutting them down. Yeah. You know, he always wanted to play against the the, the better player on the team. I'm not saying that Jordan didn't want to, but they they swapped back and forth. Do you see? Now, yeah. how often do you see LeBron, and have? how often have you ever seen LeBron guard the best players on the other teams? Jordan always did it. Okay. Kobe Bryant always wanted to do it right? Because it's a challenge, right? And if you don't want to accept the challenge,
0: you shouldn't be on the court. Okay. I think that's a good, good point to, to, to end it there. Um, So just so everybody's aware on the, on the podcast, Chris is now head coach over at Cardiff City Basketball Club. I have the pleasure of of working alongside Chris. Um, And if anybody wants to get in touch with Chris or with the club, uh, just pop us an email, info at cardiff-basketball.com. Um, are you, are you, you know, if anybody wants to get in touch with Chris, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll pass that on to him. Uh, we Obviously, we're in COVID right now, so it's a bit of a nightmare. Uh, but hopefully March time, we might be able to start training again. Um, and we've got a few... I mean, we could touch on some of them. We've got some projects going on in East Cardiff. We've got some projects going on in West Cardiff. Uh, and we've got some stuff that I've got to talk to you about in Central Cardiff. Um, that 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 you know that you'll be involved with. Well, you, obviously you're gonna be involved with all of this stuff. Um, so, and these are all these are all projects that are going to be for young people. They're going to be subsidised heavily as well. Um, and you know, so when we have more information on that, obviously Chris and myself, we we, we will we will put it out there as well. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I, I think we've covered everything, right? So, um, well, thank um, you. It's been a pleasure. If if anyone does
1: want to to, to talk to us, um, they can go through through Quorum, and uh, Quorum can pass the message on, and the three of us can get together, whoever it may be. We all sit down and have a chat. If you want to talk about basketball. We can do it on the forum. We can, you know, yeah. we can Zoom, put up a, a, a couple of faces, and start a basketball forum and uh, discuss basketball. Now we can discuss it back in the, the, the 70s, 80s, the 90s. Yeah, and
0: I, I know that's what you want to do. I know that's oh, what yeah, you want yeah, to do, yeah.
1: yeah. Let's have a few debates about basketball and who's the best player and who's the best player of all time. I'm all I'm all up for it.
0: Yeah, I'll uh, post up a link to all of our socials as well. Chris will, Chris is on most of them as well. So, you know, if you need to get hold of any of us, you can. But um yeah, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. And I hopefully... We'll be back on the court in the next kind of couple of weeks, but let's, let's see what happens.
1: Uh, appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you all again. Take care of yourselves.
0: No worries. Thanks, guys.